previously on Hashtag Colts Podcast. Oh, I wish it was that. <laughs> I wish that I wish that every time I walked into a room, I got that Dragon Ball Z previously. Well, have I isolated our listeners already? Probably. Hey, uh, I realize we have a lot of new listeners because we're playing our suite of episodes with the wonderful Mika Spielberg, who is, of course... Not only a, uh, a cam worker, she's in the sex industry, but is the daughter of Steven Spielberg. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, please, this is a documentary-style podcast. You've got to start from the beginning. We are investigating a cult called MGTOW. The format of this show is we're doing a documentary, and we take the interviews that we filmed and chop them up and analyze them as we continue to make the final feature-length documentary about this cult. I did one such interview with Mika Spielberg, and that's what we're listening to now. Uh, I wanted to interview someone in the camming industry. I approached Mika Spielberg. Uh, She was into it, and within seconds of starting our interview, she had already heard of MGTOW as a cult and had run-ins with it. And now we're kind of going through her experience, abuse, life, and I really think Mika is wonderful. Start the show over, and now we start the listening of the the show with the theme song, and then it starts again. Enjoy. What you are about to hear is the Hashtag Cult Podcast. What is a Hashtag Cult? Hashtag Cults are groups that signal membership by using a hashtag or keyword. This allows the group to operate on many different sites and makes them difficult to pinpoint. They use the hashtag model to spread propaganda on a variety of social media platforms without having a central account. This is usually because their ideas are offensive or their methods of communicating are abusive and border on website policy violations. In this show, we will show you the coercive groups and cults hiding in plain sight on the internet. just going to start like we're radio professionals. Who the hell am I? Well, I'm I'm Mike Ballack, one of the co-hosts of Hashtag Cold Podcast. And who the hell is my co-host this time? I'm Rachel Klochevsky. I'm a sex and relationship therapist. And speaking <laughs> of which, let's go into clip number eight, where we really get yep. into uh, Hashtag Colts. We've talked a lot about the internet. Let's hear the next clip. And so this, I'm fascinated with this billiard scene. So wait, wait, it was like, was it in uh, like bars? Like I've been to competitive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had been like involved in the Nashville billiard scene until I started kind of owning, I was honestly like, I was getting a little bit too drunk at the time. So I isolated myself in that way, which is only honest to me that I say that. Um, But at the same time, even before that, I had kind of been like outsider or like isolated because I was just who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason I already know what Big Cow was is because of like some of the things that I would see these people put online. I was like, or some of the behavior I saw towards other humans and women, I was like, this is really confusing. Um, yeah. 
we've been yeah. we've been we've i'm the inventor of the word hashtag cult which is that they use the internet like like you said you don't know where this guy is coming from but somehow he found you and he shared it online they yeah. kind of hide behind other posts they never blatantly say this is what i believe and here's an article on it it's little mm -hmm. digs and that's part of the manipulation mm -hmm. so i'll put in my two cents before we hear yours um mm -hmm. yeah this is typical um, we had it. We have an episode yep. with an SEO expert coming up that showed definitively one of the number one ways about a little bit less than half of the people that search for these terms and look up these terms are hearing it through someone else and are confused by it. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. the SEO tells us is that someone is doing the type of search that is looking up a term and not necessarily uh, going back to that term, visiting those websites after the fact. Um, so one of the ways that this group spreads is via curiosity. Um, and mm -hmm. this was typical of people who have heard of it um, and why I brought up talking about hashtag cults. Uh, what, what was your, your thoughts on this clip? So this is clip eight, right? Where she talks about the national billiard scene and how she felt isolated. Yeah and confused. And, and so she takes responsibility for herself medicating with alcohol. She doesn't call it self-medicating, right? She said that she isolated herself with alcohol. Um, and, but the, but the reality here and that she clarifies, she says she was always isolated, right? She always kind of felt alone. And then she found herself in this place, but didn't even really connect with the people in this place. So she's mm. like, not only was this a chosen place, right? Like I chose this. I still don't belong in the places that I chose. And there's a sense of hopelessness that I heard in there, you know, like when, when you're seeking something yeah, and then you still don't fit in to the place, you feel like you are a problem that you're never going to find a place that you're never going to feel connected and, and that sense of never really, it, it really feels like never. It feels like there's no, there's no hope in sight. There's like, if I can't fit into this and I can't fit into this and I can't fit into this, then I don't fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do with that? So she fed that sense of isolation with alcohol. And that's why I use self-medicating and not self-isolating because alcohol was a great distraction and numbness from the pain of that isolation. And it works, mm. right? Like we need to understand people drink because it works. <laughs> it does <laughs> what we want it to do. And it feels like we've been given like a life force because it distracts you from the loneliness, right? Yeah. Just like any drug. I'll, I'll throw this out there in terms of my, if you, if you turned off in the last episode, when I talked about my CSI theory, reach out to me. If you watch CSI, um, it, <laughs> I will love you, but I have a feeling we will not have a single out of the thousands of you, a CSI listener amongst you. Um, so, you know, I have this new other theory, which I'm really starting to sound like a cult leader now explaining the world. But I have this theory that most people will do between zero and one thing 
for you at all in your life ever. And I bring this up because of this whole alone and surrounded by people thing. And cults Mm -hmm. have this whole team thing that never attracted me. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have trusted colleagues, they will do between one and three things for you ever. And a friend is someone who will do between three and ten things for you in your life. Mm. And your best friend in the world has above ten things. And I bring this up because I often feel like people want to be part of a team and be accepted. And outside of being an entertainer, it's interesting to look at social groups, not just social media. Because, of course, my business thrives on attention. Um, and so right. it's hard to listen to these conversations about attention when it's like oh, my my view of it's a little different than yours. And I'm, I'm able to separate what is real attention and not attention. And it's like for most people, their world is in a, a, a huge scheme, five people. F- I mean, that's really it. And like when you, even when you think about it, when you think about, oh, wow, they have so many kids. It's like above four you know, like, like our, our ability that's when you think about all these things of like, I belong here or whatever, this is my group or these are my people. It's like, well, if someone has four kids, that's an insane amount to you. I'm using sort of culty kind of stereotypes to get you on my side yeah. and I'm admitting it. But this anecdotal thing is just to point out, I totally love your analysis of what she's saying, which is if you don't know where you belong it just feels constantly like you don't belong because Mm -hmm. you don't know what belonging is i mean if you even think about dating as as a thing i mean polyamorous couples sometimes uh which is sometimes called a polycule did i get it right well, yeah, there are polycules, there are open relationships it's they've got very interesting dynamics yes so uh uh, from the people that I've met that are that 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 uh, deal deal in that those struggles, um, you know, they are also dealing in very low numbers. When you think about uh, monogamous dating, we're talking about one person for an extended period of time. You've got to understand, and I'm saying this is the only inspirational thing that I'll ever say on the show. Your world doesn't need to be massive. And that, and that illusion, in my opinion, in, in listening to a lot of this stuff is like, you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to feel like you need this massive world because it, do- it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, 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 the, the, the pr- I'm just trying to list numbers so that it makes sense because I do get annoyed. Go back and listen to my episode about the whatever it was called technique, the something technique, uh, Alexander technique about using these types of anecdotal terms to prove things. But um You know, the presidential cabinet is barely 15 people. You know, I really want to encourage people to just know if you have one friend, that is precious. And you don't, and if you don't have that one friend, that's okay too. Most people's worlds do not extend beyond, beyond that unless they have progenerated or decided to feed and clothe that person. And then even then, no one really likes their parents, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so just just a little bit. I, I rarely throw out encouragement because how dare you be encouraged from the show? How dare you? <laughs> um, but 
we're going to go on to the next clip right about mm-hmm. now. Weird. What was that experience like? Like, was it was it blatantly telling you not to touch yourself and not to? It was more like um, they blatantly like one of the biggest things was like they would would we would go to therapy sessions and one of the major topics for girls with trauma and which you should never be discussing by the way with your teenage clients if you are an older male therapist you should never have these conversations with teenage clients i feel like it's very inappropriate and also very very invasive to discuss um the fact that you think we shouldn't be dating or like getting married or like it's really weird like how do i put it so one of the things they would always tell us is that if you cohabitate before marriage you'll lose your spiritual sensitivity wow that's that's intense. it's just really weird it's really weird and like i left there at 17 um or like i was released as well <laughs> released at 17 um oh my god and it just like I don't even know like what to say. Like there were, I I went home and I went to a normal high school before I was homeschooled after that. Cause I was kind of freaked out by everyone. Mm. Um, and I had no idea what was going on. People would talk about like, Oh, dating and this and that. And I was like, what is going on right now? Like, I don't like, that's a thing that people do. <laughs> did, did you ever, do you remember that? I mean, uh, Hey, I just have to say that's, is harrowing to, to, to hear that someone would, would push that on you. Did you, did you then have these moments where you were like, Hey, like, what do you mean you can date? Like, did you ever talk to your peers about like, well, what's going on? Like, yeah. How would they react? I'd be like, Oh, your parents let you do this. And it was like, it's not about my parents per se, but it's like, Oh, your, um, your therapist doesn't ask you about this. That's like the weirdest part is, Oh, like your therapist doesn't ask about your boyfriend. That's weird. Yeah. Because mine has a, had a piece of technology on my phone where he could monitor my text messages wow. between the opposite sex. Yeah. And I understand, like, the parental protection stuff that goes on. But, like, this was, like, this is a male therapist from a boarding school that is not really supposed to be doing that. Yeah. It's just, like, that kind of thing where it's, like, I didn't learn about human bodies until I hit 20 years old. Thoughts, Rachel. Quick. You have 10 seconds and you win $10,000 if you get the right thoughts out. Go. Uh, now I'm feeling pressure. Yes. Six um, seconds. Mm. Yeah. Well, so you won your chance at 10,000. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Because I'm not in this for the money. Yeah. Uh, I'm in this to, you know, get rid of gatekeeping. So, <laughs> you know, it. she puts into such perspective, like, how old is she? She's about 24 years old now. So she says that she didn't learn about human bodies until she was 20 years old. So we're talking about somebody who is like so new to the unlearning process and relearning process. And, and she has so much to unlearn because a person that had presented themselves as you know, a trustworthy person, somebody that you're supposed to like just uh, assume trustworthiness with them has violated so much of her personhood with these beliefs, right? Like she, didn't they like take her cell phone and, you know, like the, the kind of control that they used in order to force young people 
to live the life that they decided they should be living mm -hmm. um, is astounding. It's, it's truly astounding. I mean, it amazes me that she managed to even challenge that so soon. It's right. Like when this I think is, about I'm going to gush about, uh, and possibly the inappropriate term to use for a sex worker. I'm going to gush about Mika Spielberg for a second here. Yeah. And we're going to get to stuff in later in her interview. That's just like fucking wow. And if I can get out one thing on this show, it's like amazing that this person is able to not just conquer this, but then in, in some way, even though it's a, a bullshit term I learned from like the TV show Frasier, again, where I get all my psychological terms from, <laughs> um, <laughs> Rachel teaches me new ones. Until then, the default setting is open using Word document Frasier. Um, it, it's amazing what she is able to confront using almost a Frasieristic term of immersion therapy. It's almost like she gets into this later yes. of that she's doing this to confront these problems. It's amazing. And the press is hoping Mika Spielberg is some sex crazed black Jewish party girl. And she's not. She is this incredibly intellectual person who's bringing more intellectualism to sex than a lot of people I've listened mm -hmm. to drone on and on about sex. It's it's pretty amazing Absolutely. what she's what she's able to do. And again, this is this clip. I, I have to stress my naivete in in this is, and I don't know why it was because I felt this way about teachers in general. There is this idea as a kid, uh, which gets a lot of people in trouble, that adults are there to help you. And many teachers use mm -hmm. this as a chance to play out their narcissistic dreams. And I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that that would happen on a crazy scale of like what she's describing um, at this at this private school um, be, be when it comes to religious stuff in general. Um, it's, it's bizarre. And to, to consider, me. by the way, that she couldn't even just go to a regular high school after she left. She needed to be homeschooled mm. because she was so out of touch with the world because of everything that they put her through that she had no way of relating to her peers. Yeah. Like, let's think about how much damage that causes, right? Yeah. Where, like, as it is, she felt like something was wrong where she was. You know, where this place that she's told is safe, right? Like, this was meant to be a safe place, right? My parents sent me to Orthodox Jewish Day School because they were threatened, right? Immigrants who didn't know were threatened by the public school system because all they heard about it, uh, like, everything they heard about it was from the news. So, all they saw were weapons and fights. So, they sent me to a school that was supposed to be safe, and in that school, I was sexually assaulted, harassed. There were weapons mm. everywhere because nobody would assume that these nice, rich, Jewish, privileged kids would have that. Mm -hmm. And drugs galore, right? Because they had the money to get away with it. Mm. That's incredible. Right? So, yeah. And, of course, the school protected those kids that were committing actual crimes because the school needed to maintain a reputation. So if a child came into school with a black eye, they would take care of it silently, mm. you know, inside the school. They wouldn't like if in a public school immediately, you would have social workers all over that 
Because teachers are mandated reporters. I but in a private school, you can hide it. I rarely, um, I, I rarely recommend documentaries on the show. But if you have not seen either of the cuts of Daisy and Aubrey um, about this very issue uh, of the public perception of schools and the ability for mm-hmm. people to just operate as the status quo. Uh, yep. You don't even have to see the documentary. I don't necessarily want to uh, go look up the story. It's in- incredible. Um that's that's an insane situation, and I will also, in order to empathize and lighten the mood slightly, quote my favorite uh, kung fu movie, which is Kung Fu Panda, which is oftentimes <laughs> in an effort to run away from our fate, we run steadily towards it. Um, yep. Yep. I tell people every time you make a decision, make a decision towards something, not away from something. Now, that sounds too much like the thing from Kung Fu Panda, Rachel. So if you're not paying some sort of royalties to DreamWorks, I am telling God again. I had to tattle on God on the first one, but now it's like, (laughs) please. If you or someone you know has experienced a hashtag cult, is trapped in a hashtag cult, or you have been affected by any group mentioned in this show, go to hashtag cult.org for resources or to get in touch with the show. We want to hear your story.